0: Well, hello friends and welcome to the SCICOM Toolkit Podcast. This is a show for scientists, researchers and science communicators to gain all the tools they need to grow their SCICOM confidence. If you are new around here then firstly welcome and hello but I also thought it would be good for me to introduce myself again as I haven't done it in a little while actually but also just to explain a little bit more about the podcast. So I am Soph and I am a scientist turned science communicator and I have a real passion for sharing the skills and lessons that I have learned throughout my science communication career so far and sharing that with scientists, researchers, science communicators so that together we can bring more science stories to life and that's why I launched this podcast the SciComm Toolkit to share those lessons, to share those tools, but also to interview fantastic guests and communicators, both from inside the world of STEM, but also outside this beautiful bubble that we live in when it comes to science, engineering, technology, maths, so that we can reach that goal, hopefully. And in case science communication is new to you, it can come in so many different forms but for this podcast my little podcast project when I say science communication or sci for short I mean anything that could come under that umbrella I'm thinking digital media and press I'm talking public engagement and science education I want to cover it all So, it's going to take a little bit of time, but there is so much knowledge out there and so much new science communication research constantly coming out that I'm hoping we can start to bring all of that into one small, little, fun sized package in the form of this podcast and then chop that all up into bite-sized, almost audio workshops in each episode so you can find all the information, advice and tips that you need to get started doing science communication or just to level your science communication up. Now, as part of my job as a science communicator, one of the many hats that I wear is to convince scientists and researchers about the importance Of doing science communication, persuading them of the impact it can have on them, but also their career. Basically, why they should be doing it at all. And I have had countless conversations with academics, with scientists in industry, with PhD students, all who are about to take that first step into experimenting with science communication, but there's something that's stopping them. I get met so often with this reply and that is that they don't want to do science communication because they don't have time. Now I get that. I've been in a researcher's shoes and trying to balance lab work with communication work with all the other responsibilities. It is time consuming. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But I truly believe that it is something That all scientists should be spending time, no, investing time on. So, today I wanted to share a handful of ways that I've learned across the time I've been doing science communication and content creation so far that are going to save you time, make creating more time efficient for you, more energy efficient, and make sure that in the time you do give yourself to do science communication, you are much more productive. So, listen up. Here are some of my suggestions that I share most often with scientists and creators when they ask me this question. Okay, so hear me out on this first one. The first suggestion is to have a list. Now, I do love a list. I have been known in the past to create lists of the different lists that I need to write and create. But this suggestion is to have an ideas list. I know that I have sat down so many times knowing that I have Instagram posts to write for my personal Psycom pages or that I need to write a blog post or create a social media campaign as part of my day job, whatever it is. I have sat down to a blank screen so many times and I have spent most of that time then not creating but just trying to think of ideas. Now having an ideas list means you will never start from scratch and it also has the added bonus of whenever you have an idea you can just jot it down in whatever form you're using. It takes that idea out of your mind so you can continue to focus on whatever you are doing and all your ideas are in one neat and tidy organised place. So my ideas list is part of my project management tool that I use to schedule all of my projects and tasks and the tool I use is something called Asana. I talked more about that in season one as part of the episode about free tools to support your science communication if you want to find out more that's season one episode six. And also, if you listen to the last episode that I did about getting started with Instagram for science communication, you will know what I mean when I say content pillars. To learn a little bit more about that, head back and listen to that episode afterwards. But in short, your content pillars are the main topics or umbrella phrases, categories that are going to be routinely found on your profile, for example. So my ideas list then is also tagged or categorised by content pillar two. So I know that when I sit down to create a blog post, I plan out the next series of the podcast, create a video, whatever it might be, I already have all those ideas to start from. I then use my content schedule as a guide to know what I need to create that week. So for example, Let's say I know I can put out three Insta posts a week and this particular week that I'm creating, I know two of those are going to be from my second content pillar, whatever that might be. I can then go to my ideas list to see what ideas I already have, what posts I've already half started under that content pillar and see which one feels right to create at that time. Another app I love for lists is Google Keep, which again, you can categorise and colour code. So that is another option that could work for your ideas list. Obviously, a good old notebook and pen if you're not a digital fan is a great option. You can also use these sorts of tools then to collect links to papers or resources or any other kind of research that you are doing for that particular piece of content. And then it can all be linked in that one neatly organized place. So my first suggestion to help save time when creating Psychon content is to have an ideas list so you are not starting from scratch. Note those ideas down whenever they spring to mind or have a dedicated brainstorm session to get one started. They will soon add up, you won't be able to keep up, trust me. So moving on to my next suggestion, and that is time blocking. Now, in the last episode of season one with the wonderful Julia Ravy, we chatted about this technique there. So time blocking is a time management method that asks you to divide your day into, you've guessed it, blocks of time. Now, you might think that you do that anyway. But if you're anything like what I used to do, I would log on for work for the day And then I would check my emails. Then I would check the social media and reply to any comments that we'd had. Then I might ping back to my emails quickly before I start my first big task of the day. That then gets interrupted by another email notification or that bright red dot on social media. And so realistically, I end up hopping between emails and notifications and the thing that I'm actually trying to do. So all of this, and I was still surprised somehow that things would take me longer than I thought. Using time blocking, I am much more strict with my time and focus only on one task in that time period. So I am so much more efficient. A key part of doing that is also turning off all your notifications, both on your phone and laptop, except for any emergency contacts, obviously. So, not only does this save you time, but it really helps with your focus when you only have one thing to work on with no distractions or interruptions. So, everyone time blocks differently. Some people will block out every waking minute, factoring in that time to get ready, their commute, their lunch breaks, tea breaks, downtime in the evening, and then all their work in between, and so on and so on. Now, if this works for you, great. But for others, that can be totally overwhelming to see your calendar is just jam packed from the moment you wake up to the moment you want to go back to sleep again. So on the other end of the spectrum, some people I know who use this technique will just block the AM for one project and work through the tasks to make progress there. And then the PM is focused on project two and ticking off some tasks on that one. Or then you could sit anywhere else on that spectrum between these two. It does take a bit of trial and error to see what works for you. But since starting this technique, I have been able to get so much more done in a day or just get the same amount done in less time. So blocking out time to focus on specific tasks is going to save you time when creating So another way I wanted to share with you kind of builds on this time blocking technique and that is task batching. Now let's say I need to create a podcast episode or a few podcast episodes in the series and I have blocked out a two hour session on a Sunday to do some work on that. So the best option for my brain and our brains collectively is for us to work on the same tasks for that time period rather than switching between different modes. So for my podcast episodes I need to write a script, I need to record that episode, I need to edit it, upload and schedule and create any resources to go with it or to promote it. Now with time batching it is much more efficient for me to record the next three episodes in that two hour time block and then edit all three in the next time block I have in my schedule rather than try to do one complete episode per session. Now I can't say that I've stuck to this all the time because life does get in the way sometimes but it's important to know that I need to focus or think about different things when I'm writing a script compared to when I am recording and again compared to when I am editing. So it's less jarring for my brain when I group similar tasks together, which then means I am much more efficient with my time when I'm creating. So as another example, if you're trying to create all your Instagram posts for a week, have a session where you just write the captions and then have another session where you're creating all your graphics. And then maybe another session where you might want to do your hashtag research as an example, or depending on how long that takes you, put that all in the same time but then don't do it post by post do all your writing first then all your hashtags and then all your graphics because once again it means you're not just switching between different things and it just takes you that little bit longer to really focus on what you're trying to do if you keep switching back and forth and back and forth so just as an aside. I have been reading a fabulous book recently called Screen Time by Rebecca Cady. The chapter on focus explains this about task batching and time blocking in even more detail and also explains some of the science behind it, as well as also why the vast majority of us can't multitask. So that is a little reading recommendation for you if you wanted to find out more. But it also has some other great chapters in there all under this umbrella of kind of digital well-being. So, so far I have told you about creating and maintaining an ideas list, time blocking and also task batching. The next suggestion I have is probably my favourite way to save time when doing SciComms well, creating for Psycom. And that is repurposing, or what I like to call content fission. If you've followed me for a while, you'll almost definitely have heard me say that all science communicators should have a core or hero platform for communication. That could be something like a blog, a podcast, a YouTube channel, or a newsletter as examples. But crucially, not social media. Social media is what you should use then to drive people to those core platforms or use your core platforms to feed into what you have on your social media almost like your shop window. Now you might be thinking why? Well the short answer for this episode now is that you should own your core platform and have control over it whereas technically Social media could disappear tomorrow and you might then have nothing to show for all of the work, time and energy you have put into that. But right now we're talking about repurposing. So whenever I suggest this concept to anyone of having a core platform and then social media as well as the shop window, they think it means even more work and even more creating as it's a whole other platform but that really doesn't have to be the case. Let's say you write a blog post that is called five things I learned during my PhD. Straight away, you can turn that into five different Instagram posts. For your podcast episode, you could create a 30 second audiogram and share it as a reel or a TikTok video. The whole point of Repurposing or content fission is breaking up or splitting up those core pieces of content to populate your social media platforms. So you're not creating something completely new for that new platform. You can also turn podcasts into blogs, videos into podcasts, and if you've already blocked some time to film a video, It is not going to take too much extra time to turn the camera portrait and record a 30-second explainer or promo video for that longer video. You can even use your social media analytics to identify your best performing posts and give them a little makeover as a new post. Content vision is something I love. It's something I really stand by. It is the number one way that I've been able to maintain so many different platforms while still working full-time and I truly believe it's a really powerful way that scientists can get so much out of one piece of content for their science communication goals. So I really want to create some kind of short course or webinar or something to share this with all of you in even more detail and we can all come together and really get to know and understand how we can use this really, really powerful method for our science communication goals. But of course, I will cover it more on the podcast as we go through. But the key point here is don't think that having another platform or medium always means double the content creation. Really think about how you can repurpose or split one piece of content up into smaller bits and reuse that to reach different people. So the final way that I routinely end up saving time when creating any form of digital science communication is by creating templates. Now I have templates for social media graphics, slides for talks and presentations I might be asked to give, even training sessions. I have templates for writing blogs, Creating podcast episodes, newsletters, and storyboards for video scripts, and so on. Of course, it took a bit of time investment to get them all set up initially, and there are sometimes new ones that crop up over time that I can create. But now, because I have all these templates, I don't have to create any graphics or slides from scratch, not really. And I don't have a blank page when creating blogs and so on. The templates help me focus on what I need to write and everything then is in one place when I am scheduling or posting. So for most of my graphics and slides I use Canva and I have a whole heap of different templates on there and every time I'm creating something I literally just need to drag and drop an image, change a bit of text and it's done. As for the written template I use Google Docs for all of those And it means that when I sit down to write a blog post, for example, I automatically take the working title that I have from my ideas list. I drop it straight into my document. I add in any notes or ideas that I've had around it already. And then I can start writing. There is already words on the page, which I know can be so daunting sometimes. So just having a working title, some ideas or some structure it really helps just to get you going. So there are the five main techniques I use to balance doing my own Psycom with Side Hustle and a full-time job. There are free tools that help me, which I talked about again in season one, episode six. And of course, there are a range of other productivity techniques that you might want to try out, like the Pomodoro technique, apps like Forest are great. And there is the one, three, five rule as well. All of these are ways that will make it easier to balance doing psychom with all your other commitments and make sure you are being as efficient and productive with your time as you can or want to be. Okay, time for some DIY. This is the section of the podcast where I give you something actionable that you can take away and do straight away to continue to level up your psychom confidence. Today I have a little resource pack for you. All of the techniques I've suggested are quite personal to however you like to work but I wanted then to share some examples of what a content schedule and time-blocked calendars look like to give you more of an idea so you can find a version that works for you. If you are a science communicator I would highly highly recommend starting your ideas list if you don't have one already. If you have little notes on bits of paper all around your desk, some on your phone, some I don't know in another notebook somewhere, make it your task to bring them all together into one place and then constantly keep that updated with new ideas whenever they spring to mind. Once you've started your ideas list Then try out one of the other techniques. See if that one works for you. Try and adjust it a little bit. If it's not quite working, if it's not for you, try another one. Ultimately understanding what situation you work best in is going to save you time when you're creating. So a little bit of time playing around and experimenting right at the beginning means you will see even better rewards down the line. So in today's time-saving resource pack for science communicators is also my blog templates, a podcast episode, video, and Instagram caption templates that you can use or just adapt to better suit your needs. And I hope that all of this together is going to give you some ideas or building blocks to have those processes in place to help you save time when doing Psycom. If any of these work for you, then of course I would love to hear about it. You can find me on Instagram at sof_talks_science or tag the podcast at Toolkit. The links to all the resources and all that I've mentioned can be found on the podcast page on my website. That is is forward slash SciCommToolkit. There are transcripts for episodes there, all the links to all the resources and show notes, which will give you all the links to things I've mentioned in each episode. As always, I hope that you found this episode useful and that you want to come back and listen to some more Psycom tips and advice from me and my fabulous guests. If you did and you have a spare minute or two, I would love it if you could rate and review the podcast and of course, make sure to subscribe so you get all these wonderful pearls of wisdom delivered straight to you. You could even set them up to auto-download to your phone every time I upload them thank you as always for listening. I have just ordered myself some new tools to create with that I am very excited about and I will be creating another blog that will be coming your way very soon so I can share another insight into what my career as a science communicator looks like. So if you're interested in that you can subscribe to my YouTube channel too if you want to see that soon. Just look for Soft Talk Science. So until next time, friends, keep bringing science stories to life and I will catch you in the next episode. Bye.